From South China Morning Post, this is Inside China Tech. Insights into what matters. Come work for us because we are 996. Are you okay? I started Alibaba in 1999 in my apartment. What's your problem? Speed and data. And that's where China comes in. Hello, this is Gareth Nicholson, Deputy Technology Editor at the South China Morning Post. Today on Inside China Tech, we're looking at the growth and transformation of online services and the increase in online consumption as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. As millions have been confined to their homes for extended periods of time, businesses and consumers have turned to work conferencing, cloud computing, online shopping, online healthcare and education, and of course, mobile gaming to meet their everyday needs. But are online services taking over the world completely and what changes will be sustained? Will the rollout of ultra-fast 5G networks actually enhance this trend? I recently spoke with Yatsu, chairman and co-founder of Animoca Brands and founder and CEO of Outblaze, CK Chan, head of Hong Kong and Macau at Alibaba's Tmall World, and Sean Lai, principal at ITS Education Asia in Hong Kong, to talk about some of these trends at the SEMP China conference. Here are some highlights from that discussion. Welcome everyone to this um, panel discussion. Um, now, clearly over the past few months, sitting on the technology desk, I've seen some huge changes in the technology trends throughout the recent health crisis. We've had lockdowns, we have people spending more time at home, and really what we've seen is a huge move online. People are working from home, people are educating from home, people are consuming more online entertainment. Um, Yatsu, you, you specialize in the gaming arena. Now, gaming's going gangbusters, Tencent, um, and Nintendo have just reported record earnings. Clearly, people are gaming more. But what are some of the key changes you've seen? Well, I mean, gaming is definitely a beneficiary. Uh, what we could tell from traffic, just in terms of online traffic, uh, over 75% of sort of uh, video gaming traffic has been on the increase. Uh, but one thing that we've really seen that has sort of risen a lot, and particularly when you look at companies like Nintendo, is that it's been really on the PC and the console side where the rise has been dramatic. Uh, whereas for mobile gaming, it's also been an increase, but it's almost like every day is a weekend. So in the mobile gaming yeah. industry, usually you have sort of a bit of an ebb and flow on weekends and holiday periods. But now every day is a holiday, so everyone plays games all the time. But for console, which is a bit more of a longer experience, people sit down and play a session for maybe one or two hours. And people would play maybe one or two games a week. Now they may be playing 10 games a week. So the consumption of that has so there's a wider better. spectrum of games. Yes, uh, yep. well, more people are consuming more games. Yep. Uh, now, what we see in the case of Animal Crossing with Nintendo, though, is it's also created new adoption of gamers. Uh, people who are joining games not for the purposes of playing games, but are joining games for social interaction. Right. Uh, because they're right. not able to get that social interaction in the physical sense, uh, and you know uh, they're now getting it in the virtual sense. And that's that's really been fascinating to see as well. So we think this trend is actually going to completely shift virtual realities. Uh, it's already changing the value system as well. People are, you know, like people are now looking at sort of accelerating the trend of actually sort of the play to earn concept where you can actually make money playing games. I mean, people are now getting paid money to build virtual islands on Animal Crossing as a form of promotion, for instance, yeah. as recent as that is, for yeah. instance. But in the past already, there've been many of these concepts where you can actually build virtual communities for money, whether it's a second life or, you know, our own sandbox, all those, all those things have already started to develop and COVID is just simply accelerating that trend. 
And so in a sense, games are becoming more powerful marketing channels as well. Well, I think it's marketing channel, but it's also cultural. Uh, mm. One thing about gaming that's interesting is that uh, often medium, uh, mediums that are used for sort of children tend to end when you know children grow up, right? So whether yeah. it's like a board game or some brand or some cartoon show. But video gaming is interesting in that you may play that video game, you may be into video gaming you know, as a child, but as you get older, you actually continue to play games in one form or another. And so that volume and sort of the base is just increasing. Uh, so is the demographic changing of gamers or is it the same kind of crew, they're just playing more, more, more often? No, so I think the demographic is accelerating. Mm -hmm. uh, so to the extent that uh, people who were playing games moderately are now playing games intensively. Right. Uh, now, there's still a large group of people who are not playing. It's about 2.6, 2.7 billion people playing games, which is a bit more than the world's internet in terms of population, there's still about two plus billion people that are not really playing games. Mm -hmm. A number of them are being attracted to play just because it's a little bit like the, well, you know, late majority phenomenon. Everyone else is playing games and having a party in Animal Crossing, I'm kind of missing out. There's a little bit of FOMO as well, so they want to try and sign yeah. up for that. Um, but I think the other thing now is because people are spending so much time online, there are many cultural contexts mm. that are emerging in video gaming that people who are not part of it start feeling left out. And I actually think that video games is going to be developing this completely new cultural sort of adoption and trend setting that uh, it was just beginning slowly and we think will now absolutely explode. So less about shoot 'em ups but much more social interaction. Uh, I think shoot 'em ups will all be a critical part of gaming. <laughs> Always popular. Um, yeah. um, because now you can have social interaction but you can have sort of, sort of a, a literal action element to it. Okay, yeah, fascinating. CK, you're in a slightly different area. Yeah. Um, obviously, you focus on e-commerce, yeah. um, which has also seen big changes. Obviously, we've seen a huge surge in online consumption, but it's also come with some challenges. There are logistical challenges that will come with such a huge increase in demand, but also there's been some very subtle changes in consumer behavior on the one hand and merchant behavior on the other. Perhaps you could just talk us through some of those changes. Yeah. Uh, we have seen a lot of changes in both uh, merchant side and, and customer side. So uh, in terms of merchant, um, in, uh, in the early stage, they are forced to do go online uh, because right. uh, the, the, the store uh, uh, have to be closed. So um, they have to find ways to uh, make up the sales uh, from, from the offline. So this is, this is one thing. But I think uh, we will also see that um, there are the biggest change is um, they start to use a more value-add service. Right. Yeah, that, that's a, a very main part. Uh, you, you have uh, talked about uh, marketing, uh, whether they, they use uh, gaming and, and stuff to do uh, uh, marketing. And we see that uh, now online is uh, heavily in, uh, integrated into the total marketing solution right. uh, for, 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 the, for, for the merchant. So, um, so we see that uh, the merchant uh, sign up for uh, Taobao live streaming yep. um, increase um, 700 percent month for month in, in February. So so it's phenomenal, uh, and not just the merchant getting on board, but the uh, end customer are using more. Yep. So the we, we see that the, the the number of orders increased uh, 160 percent. So this is a big jump. Yeah. So um, that's the thing I think uh, for this is a, a catalyst for merchant to try value-add service uh, yeah. online. So this is uh, uh, more on the merchant side. And we also see that for the end customer, they, they change the behavior. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in terms of browsing, um, uh, the, the, the ordering time uh, shift uh, uh, greatly uh, yeah. before and after the COVID period. 
Uh, at the very beginning, um, the, the customer shop panically. Uh, so, so there are a lot of panic shopping uh, at the very beginning, but even after so that, that was a kind of rise to the toilet roll issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the end customer also see that the benefit of uh, going uh, shopping online because uh, we do not have uh, stock allocation issue. We, mm. all, we, we have one warehouse, so no matter where you are in Hong Kong, you buy, uh, so we ship from the same warehouse. So uh, in offline, there, no matter how good you manage the, 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 the stock, there are still uh, discrepancy between uh, supply and demand. Yep. So it won't happen. So, so uh, and also you see that a lot of people uh, need to, uh, um, uh, uh, register to get to, to buy stuff, right? Yeah. So this is very difficult for you to do offline. So we see that end customer also try a lot of uh, new services uh, online, which uh, you can never do offline. Yeah. So uh, when, when we talk about uh, customer uh, behavior, it's always um, acquisition, activation, and then retention. Mm. So uh, usually this is a period of um, a month or two uh, period for end customer to, to enjoy the whole process of, of the online shopping mm. or on uh, any kind of new service. Uh, but uh, in, in COVID, it's, we forced the customer to do, that, do this uh, within weeks. So, yep. so um, it's all speeded up. Yep. Everything speeded up yep. and more intensive. And, and, and when, when the customer enjoyed the service uh, in a very short period of time, it not just let them try the service, but change the behavior as well. Yeah. So, so we, we now we see, because uh, since uh, February, uh, it's already May, we see the customer retention is very high. So, so the, the end customer is not just trying the service, they, mm -hmm. they start to continuous to use that. Okay. So, so I think that's a, a different. So part. merchants, more value added services, yeah. um, maybe more merchant, a, a greater variety of merchants coming onto the platform. Yeah. Consumer, have you seen the demographic change of the consumer? Because one of the big trends we've seen um, on the technology desk when we're, certainly in terms of food delivery, for example, mm -hmm. is an older demographics suddenly using these kind of digital services for the very first time. Mm -hmm. And they're actually finding out it's very convenient mm -hmm. and they're actually sticking to it. Have, have, you, have you had any data on that at all? So um, Taobao uh, in Hong Kong is actually a very uh, Hong Kong is actually a very high penetration market for mm. Taobao and Tmall. So uh, basically, we recover the, the whole demographic, yep. but we do see the um, category changes. Yeah. So uh, like like what you said, uh, the, what the grocery yeah. and, and fast uh, FMCG, uh, we we see a big big spike. Okay. In this period of time. Sean, education um, has been another big sector that's seen a lot of change. Um, obviously, we've had online education for a while, but what we've seen definitely through COVID is an acceleration. A lot more kids are learning from home. Um, you guys have been in this business for a while. Um, is it driving innovation? Have you had to kind of modify what you're doing? Have you had to improve things? What's been your experience? Well, you know, when we look at online learning, you know, two to three concepts pop up to my mind, you know, like um, in terms of flexibility, you know, yeah. children have the option not to come to class in person, but then they could have classes on, online in the safety of their homes. Um, I think the second point, which is also very important, is access to information. And not just access to information, but access to good quality teachers. Yes. You know, students are not physically bound by their current location. They can hop onto an online platform and they can have the same high quality education of a teacher you know, from a remote location. Yeah. But I think the third point here, which is most relevant to us right now, is accessibility. Schools have been forced to switch all of their classes Suddenly to an online, online system. Yep. And parents were quite shocked, frankly. You know. But you know, from the school's point of view, 
they're delivering the same curriculum goals. You know, we've seen a lot of creativity, a lot of innovation, and tons of interesting classes, all created by the teachers. I, I think it's just simply amazing. Yeah. I just want to pick up on one of the things you said, which is actually a story we've picked up on on the tech desk at the SAMP, is that the adoption of online education um, has, some people argue, helped to narrow the divide between the urban areas and the rural areas, because suddenly kids can have access to the best teaching methods and the best teachers from the big cities online. Is that something that you've seen? Is that, is, is that something that you recognize? Uh Yes, to a certain extent, because um, it really depends on the strength of Wi-Fi, you know, the access to internet, you know, the, the amount of networks Network that are, you coverage. know, yep. exactly, that's, yep. you know, physically present in, in those areas. And I guess if you say that you're fortunate in, enough to live in the area with that network coverage, yep. then yes, you can get that access. Yep. But for those that are slightly less fortunate, you know, I, I think they just have to, to, have to wait for a bit. And by the way, we have dedicated an entire episode to China's shift to online education during COVID-19. It's called Has the Pandemic Democratized Education in China? Take a listen if you haven't already. Yeah. I just want to turn to some general questions now and how they kind of cut across the various sectors that you guys have expertise in. And I think um, this is a question that a lot of stock analysts are asking right now. They're looking at this health crisis and they have seen this... Um, you know, surge in online services. Um, and they're trying to figure out, are some of these changes permanent or are they temporary? Um, certainly in the gaming sector, people in Tencent actually, uh, when it gave its outlook, it was trying to calm people down saying, yes, we have benefited from this gaming boom, but um, we expect some kind of normalization going forward. Um, what, what, what's your idea on some of these changes? Well, I mean, I think it's always good to be prudent. Yeah. Uh, because these are a slightly different times, so it's hard to predict because there's nothing in the past to look at. However, I think one thing that is definitely different between this and other, let's call them pandemic, pandemics on a global scale, is the length in which this pandemic has been going on, which means that the ability to create these habits, these yes. new patterns, are much greater. And with video gaming, as it is with, just imagine when you're watching a TV series, right? It's like Netflix is seeing the same phenomena. It's not necessarily that Netflix is making more money at the moment because of subscription, but everyone who used to watch maybe one episode a week is now watching 10 episodes, which basically means he's 10 times more invested. Uh, which also means that if that particular show goes for three years, there's a higher likelihood that that person will continue that show for the life of the series. Mm. Video games is kind of similar. Similar, yeah. You're invested in it, but unlike uh, sort of watching a show where you may be emotionally connected to the character, you know, because they're good looking or it's a great storyline or whatever that is. In video gaming, you're actually physically invested in it. You're growing, you have social, you have friends, you have communities. Yeah. Uh, in some cases, you make money, right? You but either way, things in you know, game. you're yeah. buying assets, yeah. right? You build yeah. a house, you build an <laughs> island, whatever it is, right? You're tied yeah, in. Exactly. Yeah. So after yeah. one or two months of that, actually, you may, you may have built a little empire. Yeah. It's really hard to give up yes. what you've invested in. Yeah. And you see that in the patterns of the games, that have lasted for like decades in some cases, mm -hmm. who can, people continue to play them because they're so invested in them. And they treat them like real assets. And so I think this is, uh, and in the future, we think they will become real assets. And we think that trend will be accelerated. Mm -hmm. so, the, so the situation right now is therefore that while one has to be prudent because things could change, the pattern of that behavior is already there. Yeah. And so the tail will extend. Now, the bigger question I think to me is, are we going to see this kind of mass adoption of new users coming in 
because of the pandemic, as we've seen with Animal Crossings or other kind of, yep. particularly user-generated type gaming. You yep. see this with Roblox as well. Yeah. Fortnite started to introduce kind of a party mode, yep. right? Like all those, um, all those uh, game companies have implemented more social. Right. And will those gaming social platforms challenge the way we do social, you know, from a TikTok slash Facebook slash Instagram way? It's really about right? building communities. It's really about building yep. communities, right? Yep. Uh, and, and I think that is ultimately um, where the big question mark is and where the big potential is. Because it doesn't need a big percentage to convert. Because in the gaming industry, uh, much of the revenue comes from a single digit percentage of conversion. Right? A lot of people play you know, mobile games. But how many people actually pay for them? Right? Mm. It's actually less than 3% as an mm -hmm. average. Mm -hmm. So if you only get a single digit percentage increase in a conversion of paid users, that's a massive increase in, in that. And often new players that come into the ecosystem represent the new buyers because yes. they're like, oh wow, this is a new experience. This is cool. I would spend that. Yep. We've seen that revolution already once with smartphone. Most recently when smartphone gaming became big, a lot of first time gamers came online and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And you, know, you saw large spikes in growth. Uh, and we think it's entirely possible that this uh, sort of coronavirus situation will introduce also a whole new set of gamers just because They've never experienced it before. before. Uh, okay. And again, so that will be retained. Yeah. We think they will be retained. So e-commerce e is a little bit more complicated because we have seen this huge surge in consumption. Clearly, some of that cannot be sustained because it's been driven by some very special factors. But overall, it seems to be judging by your previous remarks that you do expect a lot of uh, new customers and a lot of new consumer behavior to be, to be retained going forward. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, I think um, to make it sustainable, the, 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 the growth, yeah. I think is uh, similar to what uh, Yetsu mentioned. Uh, the emotional attachment is very important because if you look at online, if you just see it as uh, uh, versus a traditional uh, uh, brick and mortar uh, business, if you see online, it's just the change of logistic method, then it won't be sustainable. Mm. Because uh, especially uh, different markets uh, are different. Hong Kong, uh, offline is very, very convenient. So if we just look at it as a, a logistic solution, it won't work. Hmm. Uh, so uh, what, what we see is now um, a, a lot of new, service, new services. So uh, the customer engage more like uh, um, uh, live streaming and also some other gamification within yeah. the app. So these are the things that changing uh, end customer, the shopping experience. So uh, when we talk about uh, whether uh, um, um, uh, phenomenon become sustainable, it mm. must be the, 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 the fundamental changes uh, yeah. uh, within that. So, so what I see is that the adoption uh, in the merchant side, uh, in terms of the new, new value it's add service. It's not just the technology, it's a yeah. social change that is more permanent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so that's the thing that uh, what makes me think um, uh, this uh, is going to be sustainable. Sean, I think we've already touched a bit about it um, in your previous remarks with education, but I did want to ask you a little bit about one of the challenges. Uh, again, another big story we've covered um, is cybersecurity. With everybody being online, um, clearly we've all heard of the Zoom bombing phenomenon. Yeah. Um, there has been an increase in cybersecurity, and it's the classic um, example you know, with technology. It's always two steps forward and one step back. Every opportunity has a challenge. Has that been an issue for, for you in your business? strengthening security? Um, not, not really in that no. sense. It was some time around, I think, 2012, when you know, there was this paradigm shift of you know, how do we view education? You know, do it, does it have to be in the traditional sense? 
and, and we had this vision that we would try to replicate this service on an online platform. So we picked a proper LMS, which is a learning management system. So to, to address your question mm -hmm. directly, um, in terms of security, um, uh, a student username is generated. You know, there's a strong password. You can't just send a link to the student and they could just access the class online. Yeah. And secondly, and I think this is actually the most important aspect, is that the classes are all recorded. And we as you know, the school or whatever you want to call us, the administrators, you can't just download the lesson, use some video editing software, and re-upload the file again to the platform. Right. So it's all integrated. You know, from, from the school's point of view, from the parent's point of view, it's the same file. Okay. So there's an extra level of security there. So it's already, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's actually been a, the main problem for the web conferencing tools, which has also seen explosive growth. But um, um, in terms of the connectivity, that's another big question. Mm -hmm. Now, 2020 has been hyped as a year of 5G. Mm -hmm. um, it just so happens we've had this health crisis at the same time. But clearly 5G is being vaunted as being able to provide this extra bandwidth, its new kind of connectivity. Um, and many of us in the technology scene are looking for the next big thing. I mean, 4G was really the advent of apps. Um, 5G, we're all thinking, what's going to come next? I in your area with gaming, do you see 5G? What kind of fundamental changes do you, do you see in terms of online services? Well, I mean, I think the first thing to understand about 5G is, the, particularly for gaming, uh, latency is obviously a big issue. Yeah. And you will see latency go down by like maybe 10, 20, 30 fold in some cases, maybe yeah. even more. Right, so that, that becomes important when you talk about competitive esports, when you talk about sort of, uh, play, uh, sort of environments where you know, speed and timing really matters. Yeah. And because our own ability to sort of process is about 10 milliseconds, the fact that you can, 5G has essentially a one millisecond latency means that it is as good as real time. Right? So that, I think, will change many of the new elements of gaming that are out there. However, many of the games that are being developed right now don't take advantage of 5G because they don't really have to. And there's also a lag between the hardware that supports 5G. And I think we've seen the same thing with smartphone. When smartphone first came out, actually many people were on 2.5G just moving to 3G. Yeah. And it took a while before 4G really sort of, um, sort of took hold. It was embedded. Exactly. Yep. But yep. between that time, smartphone growth and app growth was already more growing really, really fast. Yeah. Uh, so I think five, the impact of 5G is um, substantial, but I don't think will impact us in the very near term, right. but probably more in the mid to long term, just because of the hardware yeah. and because of the fact that when you make content that supports 5G, there's also higher cost. What we believe is that the video game industry, because of all of this, is just going to increase, which means that the production budgets and the development costs of those can continue to rise because it's justified. Uh, so games that take advantage of 5G are currently in development, but you don't finish a game in three months. It right. takes, you know, it's, it's almost like making a movie in some cases. So it's a work in progress. So it's a work in progress. Yeah. So I think yeah. the real impact for gaming as we see it will be in the, uh, in the longer term. Many of the existing game companies, uh, including ourselves, have sort of found ways to create multiplayer experiences uh, with the latency we have at present to optimize it for precisely the bandwidth limitations that we have today. In fact, gaming is not as um, bandwidth intensive as other industries like video streaming, for instance. Right. Um, now, this is the other part that we think 5G will change. One of the issues of high quality gaming is I need to have an expensive, relatively good device to play yep. that has all the CPU and GPU power I have present. Yep. When you have something like 5G become mainstream, 
I can simply do that from a browser because all the processing can happen remotely. So things like Google Stadia, for instance, which are sort of emerging at the moment, yeah. would become, potentially become a big sort this of- This is cloud gaming, right? This is cloud gaming, yeah. correct. This is yeah. cloud gaming because now I don't need hardware. I just need a browser. Yeah. Uh, and I can just start playing games as if I was playing at home with my Xbox or with my PC gaming with right. the same speed. Okay. CK, I'm not sure how much of an issue it is for e-commerce, but mm. clearly it has the potential to change both the customer mm. journey and the merchant uh, experience in mm. e-commerce. Yeah, so um, actually uh, our uh, capacity for using, uh, because uh, Taobao and Tmall is uh, heavily uh, uh, using algorithm for uh, pushing the right products to our right customer. So, uh, so every step in, in you do in, in within our app, it's uh, involve a lot of algorithm and especially discount. There are thousands of rules uh, like uh, uh, during the W11 uh, single days. So, um, so actually, uh, currently uh, we. Uh, we, we, we are more than uh, cloud computing because cloud computing still have a time lag, uh, like, like a, a, a second of time lag. So, uh, but, but some of the things like uh, we, we, we are fighting for, for a, a red pocket or, or some, some, some promo code. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, within a millisecond. So we, we, are, we, we have already been uh, integrating uh, cloud computing yep. with device AI. So now if uh, uh, during the 5G process, we, we, we can now shifting some of the device uh, uh, calculating power to the cloud again, yep. so that we can free up some, some, some of the device calculation capability to do uh, additional stuff. So, okay. so we also see that there's a big change to us as well. Okay, thank you. We're going to move to um, audience Q&A soon, but before we do that, I'd just like to kind of sum up the discussion. Mm. And then if we can have maybe a mini vote on the panel about our central question, which is if, you know, are online services set to take over? For me personally, um, for me, COVID has given us all a glimpse of the future, um, which will be um, our everyday lives will become more technology enabled. Um, but at the end of the day, we still want to go for that hike at the weekend. We still want to go for the walk in the park and have some face-to-face -face social interaction. But there's no doubt that technology is becoming a much more powerful force in everyday life. So, Yatsu, for you, are online services taking over well, very, mean, very quickly? Uh, the answer is yes, but I mean, <laughs> just to quickly elaborate on this one, to me, um, it was always gonna take over. Yeah. The only thing that basically COVID did was move it fast forward a bit. Yeah. yeah. To me, I think it's no. I think it's an integration between online and offline. So, so not online taking over, but uh, an integration, integration of the yes. two. Sean, mine would be a, a little bit similar, I guess, yeah. because you know we still want the learning aspect to be done in person. You know, it's like in traditional schools, we're all used to seeing the teacher, and sometimes we see the person as not just a teacher, but you know, a friend or even a mentor. Yeah. So I think um, yes to a certain extent because it will help to supplement our education. Okay. <laughs> so I think we're quite evenly balanced. Quite aggressive. In the middle, yeah. That's it for today's show. For more stories about China tech, head over to scmp.com backslash tech. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do rate us on iTunes or subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, basically wherever you listen to your podcast. Again, thanks for listening and see you next time. Bye.